Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, and welcome to the short read from Stuff. Yes, you heard that correctly. This is, as the title suggests, a special episode of The Long Read, where we introduce you to another of our podcasts, The Short Read. Sounds a bit like our younger sibling, but in fact, it's a creation all of its own, and it's launching today. Each year, the Sunday Star Times, one of Stuff's marquee publications, runs a short story competition. You may have heard of it or seen it in print about this time of year. Well, in 2023, we have an audio version as well. Each episode of The Short Read will feature a winning entry or judge's choice and insights from its author. The perfect way to relax this summer without getting sand in your book. If you want to hear more, search The Short Read on your podcast player or visit www.stuff.co.nz forward slash The Short Read. Here now is the first short story. Kia ora, I'm Jen Black and welcome to The Short Read. This week I'm joined by Bernard Steeds who won the open category of the Sunday Star Times short story competition. Later on you'll hear his winning piece home, but first let's hear from Bernard himself. Kia ora Bernard, how are you? Great, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. For people who don't know you, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I, I live in Wellington, got a um, family that, with uh, kids who've just grown, um, just grown up and leaving home. Um, been a writer for a long time in various various ways. I've worked in media, uh, worked in policy and written fiction for a long time as well, on and off. And uh, yeah, very, very excited to you know, have been uh, selected for the Sunday Star Times competition. How did it feel to win when Tracy gave you a call and was like, you've won the open category? What was your reaction? It's, I was surprised and really stoked and felt really blessed. Um, you know, it's it's a special competition for me because I, I won it also like 24 years ago now. And, and that was my first ever uh, fiction publication. So that was a really special moment. Um, and then had um, published a book after that and then had quite a long break from publishing you know or submitting fiction for a while and then it's kind of revived itself in the last few years as other things have you know as as time has presented itself I guess and yeah it was just a really affirming experience I know there's a lot of great stories will have been entered so I felt really blessed to have been the the one who's chosen yeah, definitely. And because um, you won it back then, what were the differences in, I guess, your writing back then and your writing today? What What's changed over that time? I don't know how much the writing's changed, but I think my approach has changed. Back then, it was like a, a way of kind of presenting my identity to the world, I think. And it was felt very, very important. And it felt very, um, I was very sensitive to the times when things might not get a good reception or get, you know, re- rejected as all writers, you know, experience. And I kind of along the way, I I had a couple of attempts at novels that didn't quite work out and then kind of took a little bit of a break. And then when I returned to it, it was with a different approach where it was not really so much about the outcome and much more about the joy of the process. You know, there's something writing is one of the ways in which you can explore the world and discover things about yourself and discover discover things about the world and experience this joy and the kind of flow of the experience. I kind of made the commitment to write for that reason and really for that reason only just to enjoy the process um, and, and let the outcome take care of itself. No one owes me their attention. <laughs> um, 
you know, so so I and, and there's no guarantees in something like writing. You can write something that's that you feel is really good, but might not find an outlet. And, and so it's a kind of challenging experience, you know, on a personal level. If you, if you're very wedded to how is someone else going to receive it, you know, you know how is it going to find its place in the world? So so what what's changed is like now it's really a case of I'll, I'll write if I feel like that's the most enjoyable thing I can do at the time. Mm. And then when I send things out, it's like sending them out with some level of hope and optimism but also just accepting that you'll get a you will get a range of responses um, and that's fine and you learn from all of them and that's all fine and so it's a very different experience in that way yeah definitely it's more about writing for yourself and writing because it's your passion instead of writing because you know you want that validation yep but mm. let's talk about your story that won the Sunday Star Times short story competition home what is the story about? Just as a little tease for everyone. So it's a story of two kids, really in their late late teens, um, early twenties, who don't have homes. Um, they've had, you know, difficult difficult experiences growing up. They live in a world that doesn't really validate or affirm who they are, particularly in their case in terms of gender and sexuality, um, and. And so they're in a kind of very untethered, uncertain time in their lives. And it's really just a, a gentle little exploration of firstly that these two characters have, have found each other and found a sense of kind of connection and and love and support uh, beyond that, their sense of wanting some sort of stability and security and and literally a home. And and the story is really exploring that that side of their lives and how it works out for them and the ways in which they can create that and the ways in which it also remains a little bit untethered and uncertain and unstable at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I've always loved the idea that uh, home is people, not necessarily a place. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to know what inspired you to write this story. Where did you get the inspiration for the characters, um, the story itself? Where did that come from? I think it, it's that's always a tough question for a writer because there's there's always this level on which things present themselves. You know that you're. It's not like you can kind of sit down and go, "I will write a story and I will make it like everything will just kind of happen in that particular way." Like actually, the the joy is in discovering the story. It's like it's already there, and you're you're finding it or it's revealing itself to you. What I had at the beginning when I kind of sat down with this one was a kind of image of these these kids standing on the waterfront or sta- you know standing in this estuary looking out across the water and and kind of looking at the homes, you know these wealthy people's homes across the bay and looking at these boat sheds as well land up across the bay and and kind of with the sense of on the one hand that they've already got some connection with each other, but on the other hand, there's just a longing there for something a little bit more and more secure. And as I was writing that, it like became apparent they were going to end up across the bay somewhere, and you know that the um this this was the transition that was going to occur. Spoiler alert, sorry. <gasps> um, you know more of their lives and their characters just kind of as I was going just revealed themselves really, and and uh, it was a very organic process I guess and just kind of trusting 
aspects of their characters and their voices and their identities and the actions they took and so on um, as they revealed themselves. I just noticed when reading it, um, you specifically had the character with they, them pronouns, yep. um, one of the main characters. What was, is there a specific reason for that? Well, I, I actually, I started to write it with um, a she pronoun for, for L, and something about it just didn't feel quite right. Um, and, and then I started to re, re, I rewrote it. Just the first few paragraphs with, with they and with the sense of the, the, the gender identity was fluid. And it just felt like yes, yes, this is this is them. This is this is who they are. Um, and I'd be doing them a disservice to to use a, a fixed gender pronoun. And I guess underlying that is like you know I I, I present as you know middle aged male you know family guy all of that. But I've been very blessed in my life to have you know a lot of people come into my life who open me up. I guess to you know the the categories that I might have grown up with not being the only ways of experiencing the world and the only ways of identifying and so on and and the importance of affirming you know that we don't all fit into these boxes in terms of um, gender and sexuality and and culture and, and like all of the ways in which people identify and and there's there's a kind of majority culture uh, you know that tends to dominate but it's not the only way of being and and I think you know that's one of the things that's kept coming to me in the last kind of few years in my writing is to really want to explore that that I don't need to be exploring characters who might look like me or have the concerns of people who look like me or have the fixed views of people who look like me but there's a desire to kind of really stretch myself um, in a way and and also just acknowledge um, on the one hand, the great commonality that we all have, and on the other hand, um, you know that there are many ways of um, presenting ourselves and experiencing ourselves and, and identifying who we are. Yeah, and I think representation um, is so important, um, so including things like that. Obviously, you've been writing for a while. Where do you want your writing to take you? What are your aspirations? What's the next big thing or little thing that you're working towards? The primary aspiration is just to keep enjoying you know the process and enjoying the discovery of writing and enjoying yeah the ways in which it can open you up I guess and you know in terms of placement of stories um, or placement of writing there's, there's a lot of different ideas there um I have I have enough stories uh you know written or near completion for a collection so I'm at some point feel like I'll start looking for a home for that but in the meantime I'm kind of submitting individual stories to various journals and you know and competitions and so on and just kind of seeing where they where they go and then beyond that there are you know lots of other ideas for um, some longer form fiction and possibly some non-fiction just depending on what it feels like will be the most enjoyable thing to tackle awesome and that means that there's stuff that we can get into soon where do we find that? Where where can we look to find your previous work or um, follow you for you know your future work? The Sunday Star Times story will be published, I think, in the first edition of the new year. So that's that's one place. And I've had some stories published in an American journal uh, called Exposition Review. Um, so that's expositionreview.com. And then I'm submitting stories to other other journals as well at the moment. So they're they're kind of going through the 
process of seeing whether they land or not. I had one book out quite some years ago called Water um, with Penguin Books, which is still available in some places. And then other than that, I'm I'm just kind of working through, uh, you know, making this work visible again, I guess. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a watch this space. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like... You'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. Here's reporter Alan Morgan reading home. I feel a bit lost, says Al. I feel, I don't know, something. I can't quite place it. Homeless, I suggest. Abandoned, bullied, screwed, angry. Yes, homeless, says Al, or at least roofless. I'm with you though, aren't I? Roofless is different. More about the structure less about the family. Yes, I say, you're with me. Al's fingers slide into mine. There, they say, pressing. There's my home. I follow their gaze across the bay, across the water to the line of houses rising on the shore, the boat sheds, the shops, the trees, the faint outline of the bridge. I belong, they say. The estuary is bottle glass, the shore grey sand, a place for plovers and turns, for godwits and gulls, and mansions and money. And then I don't belong, they say, and do, and don't, and do, I say. They squeeze my hand. Breakfast, they say. Let's go. 
We begin the long walk towards the city, past the abandoned baths, the container wharf, the arena. Grey city, grey sky, grey roads. Endless chain of vehicles, their vapours and rattles. Past the law courts, the gentlemen's club. Through the park, the oaks and palms and yucca, stepping lightly onto the springy lawn. Down to Kitchener Street and Rob's Cafe. Benny is waiting at a table outside, smoking, hair falling in his eyes. Sup, he says, nodding. Sup, says Al, mumbling. Al boy. They go inside, order, come back counting change. What you got, says Al. Benny looks around, checks no one is watching, hands over a paper bag. Al slips it into their pocket. Porridge arrives and we eat. Oaty, nutty, almondy. Al and I share a bowl, take turns with the same spoon. Gross, says Benny. Up yours, says Al. In my dreams, says Benny. Not ours, says Al. Ours. They say ours. The server returns with coffee and toast. Thick, bread, buttery, jammy. Mm-mm, says Al. Butter down their chin. Hey, they say. On the way back, shall we stop at Vinny's? Yeah, huh, I say. Vinny's. An invitation, a memory, a testament. The Oscar statue and war memorial of my life. Vinny's, where we met, Al and I, both reaching for the same tank. Artfish, ribbed, red, stretch, sick. Our fingers brushed. Al smiled. Their pinky hooked into mine, pulling me closer. Well, they said. I followed them to the booth, watched as they changed, the line of their back, the rolling vertebrae, the ribs and skin and milky flesh. We agreed the tank was theirs. Then Al pushed the brocade curtain tighter, leaned in, brushed my cheek. This happened. In my memory, it happens now, and now, and now, and now, in perpetual present tense. I've thanked God ever since that Al was having a girl day. On a boy day, they'd have been in menswear, reaching for a hoodie and sweats. We finish the oatmeal, walk to the bus stop, wait. For a bus that never comes. No Vinnies, not today. Thwarted, I say. Well, says Al. Where to now? Take me home, I say. That dump, says Al. Just kidding, I say. Hmm, says Al. Their fingers on my sleeve. My place, says Al. My real place. No way, I say. Okay, says Al. The long way. I watch as they move off. Arms swinging. Baggy jean legs striding out. Carefree. Careless. I run to catch up. Past the great gleaming gallery. Down the grey street. Underpass, overbridge, museum, cathedral. Beneath the oaks and chestnuts, into the leafy suburbs. All the beautiful homes. All the children and pets inside. Scared shitless. Money distracts. It doesn't save you. What are you thinking, says Al. 
eyes turning to mine. Nothing, I say. They look harder. Nothing. Really? Okay, you, I say. I'm thinking about you right now. And? Mind runs. Always runs. Lampposts, cars, picket fence, lawn, dog, bird, kereru. Sky, cloud, dance, weave, sing, angel, heaven, choir. Sad, bitter, sad, lost. Stomach, chest, heave and cry. Don't. Sad. Love, fear, 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 love. I like you, I say. I like you too, says Al. Their grip tightening on my sleeve. There, it's all right. Everything's okay. They have this way, just the saying it, just the knowing what it is without it being spoken because they see it too. I'm weird, I say. I'm weird too, says Al. Stop it, I say. Stop it too, says Al. Hey, they say, and reach their arms around me and hold me, hold me tight, hold me like there's nothing else. Because they know. If we told our story, it would not be pretty. It would not be nice. So we do not tell our story. We do not share the anger, the bruises, the words, the hurt. We do not share the get-outs and the don't-come-backs. We stay in the now of it. Street, cars, lamp, hedge, dog, roof, sky, golden light. Now, now. Here, now, in the open, where we are seen. Worse places to live than under a bridge. Try the Ukraine. Try a sinking atoll. We keep each other safe, Al and I, tucked in. Two in one bag, squished together, legs and feet like spaghetti. Jacket roll pillow. I'll find us a home, says Al. Don't you worry, I'll find us somewhere that can be ours. Find us a star, I say. I'll find us a galaxy. Find us infinity. We come to the end of the street, and the estuary opens before us. Low tide, wet sand, birds hopping, wading, feeding. We sit on a rock and kiss. In their mouth, a bitter salt cola tang. In their mouth, softness. In their mouth, a taste of okay. Since Al came into my life, it has been okay. Maybe it can stay okay. Best not to ask too much. It's the same for me, says Al, pulling back, reading my expression. I hope so too, they say. Just a little, they say. What we ask of this universe, they say. Anyway, I reach down, rip off my shoes... At my feet, a tiny crab emerges from a hole in the sand, glances around, beats its retreat. Hey, says Al, running across the sand, scattering the shorebirds, running into the ankle-deep water. I follow, spray scattering up to my knees. Don't you dare, I yell, as Al bends down, scooping their hands, lifting a clear liquid arc across the space between us, across my jeans, my tank, my jacket. I splash back. Droplets of water, spears of pale blue glass crossing the space, 
floating slow-mo between me and them, finding their target in a skein of camouflage droplets across their thighs, their belly, their chest. You never, says Al, you never dare. Stepping back, reaching down again to scoop, stumbling on some sand ripple or splice of driftwood, landing on their bum in the water. Oh shit, they laugh. Oh holy, holy, holy shit. Drenched from ankles to waist. Take my hand, I say, and grip and pull. They look at me, a momentary hot stare which breaks into a grin, another laugh. Big laughing eyes curtained by a long fringe. Moons in the shadow of the sun. I need to change, they say. Take me somewhere warm. So we walk on, around the curve of the beach, past the cliffs, trees jutting from the rock, whispering secrets across the sand, fine-grained between my toes. The pools of water, cool and sweet, slick, smooth. Tiny transparent fish darting in unison. Cockles and pippy. My skin tingles, says Al. The sky over us is grey. Storm clouds roiling and bulbous. Every pregnant raindrop a visible speck. I feel like connected, says Al, with everything. Sea, sand, sky, dunes. Emeralds, springy grass. Roads snaking along the coast. Cars bright like neon. Twist the salt air with their chemical taint. Sandflies, midges, millionaire homes, all white shining glass. All brick and tile. Sacred hills of orake rising like giant's clouds, running like great grey dogs. Soft footfalls along the sand, soft footfalls in the water. Memories, snapshots, traces of feeling. Happy times, child laughing, cries with joy. Swung around in father's arms, mother watches on. Sad times, mother yelling, father snaps, strikes. Run, 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 run. Get the hell out of it. Get the, get the, get the, run. Hey, says Al, where are you off to? Run, 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 run. Into the mangroves, helter-skelter, dodging and weaving. Feet kissing the warm sand, the fat slippery leaves. Into the salt marsh, Feet sinking in, running on, pulling out with a squelch. Wait, says Al, up a little hillock onto the causeway. Skip across the tracks, back down the other side, back into salt marsh, back into mangroves. Collapse on the sand, wet, cool like memory. Before Al, there was nothing. Before Al, there was a void. Before Al, there was eternal darkness. Before Al, there were voices like gunfire. Before Al, there was loss. Before Al, there was the bridge, a bivouac out of the rain, sleeping bag to myself. Before Al, there was school. Before Al, there was by myself. Hey, they say, catching up. Sand like dust, like powder, like all of the atoms, all of them. See like quicksilver, like velvet, like smooth, red, liquid movement. There, says Al, pointing. Along the beach, tide lapping at our ankles. They tag trees as they pass, 
leaping against the seawall. Limbs aflame, hair bristling, thatch and straw. They run as the tide rises, catching at our knees, splosh through the water, glorious light of it, glorious texture. This estuarine sea, one creature gliding across the land, whale shark, porpoise, squid, tanifa. Our leaps again for the sea wall, finds a handhold, clambers up stone and cement as the tide rises fast. I'm slow behind, wading, water at my thighs now, nearly my waist, inviting me in. Swim, it says, become one with me. Quick, says Al, reaching. Their hand pulls me, scoops me from the tide, clamber up into their arms and stop, breathing, looking into their eyes. Crazy. Mad. Crazy. Well, says Al. I feel alive. And so do I. Well, maybe. What does that feel like? Here, says Al. We're on pavement now, coarse and gritty on my soles. Shoes lost somewhere down the beach. Cars move past along the road, smoke and heat and fumes. Faint vapour in the air. Cars have disgust pipes, I say, giggling. Al ignores me. Look what I found, they say. Stretched out along the coast, a line of boat sheds. Brightly coloured things, like bathers in old-fashioned trunks. Languidly dipping their toes in the water. Al tries a door. Not this one, they say, and move. Not this. Nor this. Nor this. At the end of the line they jump. Off the seawall, into the water, now deep, halfway up to the shed floors. Maybe over their head. Al, I call, running. I am about to jump myself when I see them emerging from the surf, clambering onto the planks of a jetty. A moment later, the door swings open beside me, and Al beckons me in. Unlocked, they say. On the seaside. Dumb owners. Easy as. I step inside. It's so pretty. White walls, white floor, glass doors out to grey sea. Al closes the door, locks it behind me. Keep out the intruders, they say. Fridge, sink, cupboard, table, chair, sofa, bed. A bed. Al has the kettle on. They spoon coffee into mugs. Then they come to me, stand with their clothes dripping on the floor. Then collapse into my arms, smelling of ocean, smelling of summer air, smelling of salt. And I know what this is. I know where we are. For the first time, I know. This is home. For now. Tomorrow, who knows. You've been listening to Home by Bernard Steeds on the Short Read Podcast. This story was read by Alan Morgan, edited by Connor Scott, and produced by me, Jen Black. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe to hear more stunning stories by up-and-coming New Zealand writers, or head to www.stuff.co.nz forward slash the short read. anō. If you liked listening to this pod... Help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support.